Hello, my name's Evan and I'm the host of iHeartBee Movies and the Twitter handle of iHeartBee Movies. Our friends at Jacked Up Reviews show have asked me to conduct a review of FUBAR. Now, FUBAR is a Netflix show that's talking about a CIA operative who is about to retire and discovers a family secret and is called back in the field of for one last job. Now, of course, if you've seen the trailer to this, you'll work out it's his daughter. No spoilers there, but I will try and keep this spoiler free. So this is a massive comeback for Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, especially to the streaming platform. I believe kind of fell out of, off the radar a little bit. He had a couple of movies not that long ago, but they were kind of not major hits. I think it's all after he really got divorced. He kind of just chilled out a bit, took a bit of time off. And unfortunately, he had a couple of close friends that passed away. And in the interim, Netflix had decided to approach him. They offered him 25 mil for this show and a kind of a package deal for his autobio as well called Arnold. So I'm just going to cover pretty much what I liked about the show, what I didn't like so much, and would I recommend it? So, uh, what I did like about this show, it was a real quantum drawback to Arnie's True Lies. There was a lot of talk back in the day for a sequel to True Lies, and it was on the table, but well, fortunately for Arnold, he became governor, and I got put on hold, and I think the you know, studios felt it was a little bit too old to kind of play off on the True Lies sequel there. So. They thought, well, you know what, this will be a really cool spin-off to have that idea. So writers went to it. You know, they, you'll see a lot of cameos, including a few of the cameos, I can spoil it, spoil it here, that are in True Lies as well. So they, they, they play to that humour. Another thing I really liked about this is that Ang's comedic timing is awesome. He has a lot of experience, obviously, going back to True Lies and Twins and Kindergarten Copy. He's really, really good at it. doesn't take himself too seriously. He knows how to roll, roll the punches and flow in, in his element, he's in his prime. And, you know, he has a really cool cast to play off with as well. Monica Barbaro, who plays his daughter. You've got comedian Fortune Feimster. I'm hopefully not butchering uh, her name there. And you've got, like, Fabiana Udenio and Jay Barrokel, who plays Monica's or Emma, Emma Bruner's uh, fiancé in the show. And, yeah, you've got other supporting cast there as well. Look, to be honest with you, the, the first, it took me a little while to kind of get into the rhythm of watching the show. I don't know if I was in this right headspace. I just felt sometimes the jokes were falling a bit flat in the first episode, and a, bit, a little bit in the second, and I kind of was really hesitant. Any of the show, I, I fell in love with that. She's like totally awesome. It, this show really grows on you. Really cool. Kind of it is written for Arnold as well, so... One of the things you'll find is that Arnold's using this in a way to project how he may have wanted to communicate with his children. So he had a lot of input in this, and there's a lot of kind of advice, and there's a lot of common theme of him not being around for his kids and his family, and that's why they got divorced, and that's why they grew apart. And you can kind of see, and like I said, I um, alluded to before, like I followed Arnie through all my 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 life here and he was a marketing machine so every time he released a movie he would be out there on the first plane promoting it all around the world you know this is pre-social media like he was first actor who really pushed out there with his marketing and wasn't like paid extra for this from the studios he just went out and did it and that's what gave all these movies that massive grab taps in the 80s and 90s <laughs>
for another side section. We're all going in different directions. And the last thing I want is uh, to keep us uh, unorganized. So I, we had not one, not two, but three people all just chiming in. <laughs> John's going to uh, start off the show with his section on the new Schwarzenegger True Lies inspired sitcom on Netflix, uh, FUBAR. Does it sink or does it float? <laughs> so, welcome back to the show, my dude. <laughs> it's always a pleasure having you on here. Always great to be here. And lo and behold, um, when this was announced, uh, I didn't think it was ever coming out. It just seemed like it was dying like every other <laughs> project Arnold was working on. Um, when did you realize, hey, it's finally out here. I'm, I'm ready to go. <laughs> Well, when they, when this trailer, I figured when they announced the release date, it's like a Memorial Day weekend, I figured they would release at that time, but you never know with Netflix. Right? Sometimes oh, they drop it, sometimes they don't. And this has the most fucked writing staff, and it surprisingly works, because I was already a fan of Nick Santora, you know, he had done sports dramas, none of which I had seen, but one was even a dog movie with both Rob Lowe and his son that was on Netflix but I mainly like you I knew him from his work on Punisher War Zone he had written for all the other crime action shows like Lie to Me The Prison Break spinoff Breakout Kings Vegas as well as The Sopranos The Guardian and Law and Order and he's always stayed busy like at first I thought his career was in jeopardy because he was kind of just writing for just casual stuff like Scorpion and then when Quibi didn't take off where they were doing like five minutes of a what was otherwise just a mini series uh like his new version of the fugitive most dangerous game i was worried but then with this and reacher i was like okay so he's now a showrunner he kind of reminds me of sean ryan of the shield where he takes he's able to have in a lot of dark comedy in between all these different just gritty action set pieces <laughs> uh but it's managed to have a good balance yeah, he has he has so many people he's worked with here previously. The the biggest one is the CIA director Beverly Eve Harris, who you might know from a bunch of different movies. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, they had Fabiona. Uh, uh, how do I spell her name? Um, <laughs> uh, Eugenio, who people might know from Hot Tub Gal and Austin Powers and from Babylon Five and. Uh, I was mainly stoked in that every other person Arnold was working with was showing up on here. And he's got Tom Arnold in a brief can't guest appearance as a guy who gets off on torturing people. <laughs> and then it actually yeah, works. You buy it. Somehow he worked. Uh, he has Gabriel Luna as the main bad guy. He was the bad guy in The Last Terminator. Um, surprisingly, I I'm with you on that. Yeah, much like I was surprised Tom Arnold worked, I was surprised Jay Baruchel worked as the fiance of his daughter. He's also a spy. I'm like, he's yeah, you know, but that wouldn't work out. He's usually just too dorky for his own good, and he's just part of an ensemble. But he's often struggles to like carry a movie if it's him on his own. So I was like, okay, he's actually being real. He's not trying to be funny. Maybe he should stick to that. And lo and behold, he's actually, playing, he's actually playing a character unlike in Sources Apprentice. So, uh, right. The end, so. And then it's just so funny how Ar it's just such a parallel for Arnold's whole you know scandal. It's like, hey, he, he got too close to his job, he cheated, he 
he's now a divorcee and he still shows up for family reunions. Um, and then lo and behold, I just could, was, could not stop guffawing each time he was just on screen was the the stepdad played by Andy Buckley from The Office. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> of course, this is his bread and butter. Um, also in here is the, as one of the other CIA agents uh, is Travis Winkle, where he's basically kind of, but he's kind of paralleling what Arnold would have been like in his, in the past where he's just like being the hot shot who just has no sense of humor, doesn't take anything seriously. <laughs> yeah. He's been in a lot of Michael Bay productions, including The Last Ship. And it's just so funny to see him kind of like, I think he's got a career, his bread and butter cut out and then to where he can now just say stupid shit with a straight face and that works. <laughs> um, the biggest surprise though was seeing the psychiatrist, uh, the psychologist who the CIA guys bring on and it's played by Kids in the Hall favorite Scott Thompson. Yeah, I was fascinated seeing him, especially because he's going to take a lot of roles. Yeah, IMDb dropped the ball on it. They made it look like he was just in one episode, but he was in practically half the episodes. <laughs> yeah, half the episodes. And he is just loving every minute. He's like, and go on. <laughs> so but the biggest complaint the biggest I'm surprise. noticing. Go ahead. I was gonna say the biggest surprise to me is actually the daughter. Yeah. So. Uh she was the common complaint. I our good old pal Jay or Honeycutt could not stand her. And I'm like, really? I thought she was just saying everything on time and not being too whiny. But yeah, she's best known. She was on, she was in Top Gun Maverick recently, and she was one of the leads on the Chicago Justice spinoff of Chicago PD Fire. Um, she's done a lot of TV, but I didn't feel like she was had no presence, unlike some of these other New York actors who just seem to want to play to the camera. So. <laughs> Well, she had the chemistry with Arnold, and you brought her as his daughter. Well, and I think it helped that the writing was on point. She didn't yeah. say anything that was a diss, unless it was meant to be a punchline, or where she was revealing more of the plot. It's like, I wanted to be like you, but you were never there. Like, So, definitely making big, heavy use of it. Uh, I've kind of got Chuck vibes from this also, kind of, too, where it's just kind of... Yeah. The it's action's bad. there to just serve all the comedy, versus have a hackney mix of both. Yeah, they managed to keep it simple. Whenever they do both action and comedy together, it didn't feel like they <laughs> focused on one more like other films would do that. Yeah. You just focus on one aspect more than the other. Oh, you yeah. Tell away. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Biggest surprise was seeing the one asset they retrieved from a Russian prison, uh, Adam Pauly and People might know him from uh, just everything. He, he's done all kinds of things. American Dad, The President's Show, uh, Mindy Project, and Happy Endings. <laughs> yeah. He used to even be an intern on Conan. <laughs> That's true. I've that. uh, I have forgotten how fearless he was. I thought there was a better role for him because I had seen him in some other just awful comedy movies where I'm like, yeah, this was not worthy of any of your talents. <laughs> it helped that he does a lot of podcasts, so I would hear him on uh, how did this get made a lot. <laughs> uh, uh, what was the biggest surprise for you, uh, other than just the cast, where you're just like, hey, they seem comfortable with each other? <laughs> well, with me, considering when I saw the trailer, I was worried that, like I said, it wouldn't be a typical cheap Netflix. <laughs> yeah, it would be typical cheap. 
like the shot of a red camera now. two weeks in Dallas or Louisiana. <laughs> and uh, like it may seem like it was going to be almost like killing Gunther Ask, which is what I was worried about. Oh, yeah. But it I, didn't go that route, thank God. I was optimistic, yeah, but I knew at worst it was going to be like either that or that other one where he vows vengeance. Uh, it was that psychological drama where he vows revenge on people who killed his daughter in a oh, yeah. plane crash, where it's just like, I don't want any slow-moving Arnold anymore. I, I know we're all going to vary on some of his newer movies, and he can't reclaim that glory, but at least see him having fun. That's what I want to see, because I know, for whatever reason, he's always shined away from replaying Dutch and Predator. The closest we got was a recent mobile video game, and he just, you know, that same day, time that Sigourney Weaver said, I'm done playing uh, you know, uh, Ripley and Aliens. He, he said the same thing. I'm no longer going to play the T-800 and those Terminator movies. Sorry. It's been too long. It's said and done. I don't know why I'd rather play Conan again. <laughs> at least at least he, uh, he seems like he's actually having fun, unlike in some of those films. Well, he seems like yep. he's there for the paycheck. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and let's be honest, he was not very well used in some of the Expendables. I, I laughed at some of them, but those were just cameos. You know, those weren't Arnold movies. <laughs> He's best used in the first movie. That's all I was saying. Oh, absolutely. He had the best line. Do this to my friend. He loves playing in the jungle. <laughs> yeah. This kind of had some of the comedy of Expendables without being too much by audience. <laughs> it was enough references they throw in, but it wasn't overly forced the way some of them were. Oh, totally. I had never seen Milan Carter before this. He's the black tech geek. Yeah. He does all the retrieval and everything. I, I heard him in another podcast where they interview working actors. They interview both him and Fabiana. And, you know, Fabiana was just having fun because much like Austin Powers, she's like, I need to do more comedy. I need to stop being mistaken for Selma Hayek. <laughs> With him, he was just joking around. He's like, yeah, I just, what else can I say? The shit writes itself. I just have to serve the comedy instead of get more screen time than the other <laughs> i'm like see this seems like this is a positive set and <laughs> uh were you familiar yeah. with were you fortune uh, were you familiar with fortune uh Feimster? i had seen it before i think whenever she appeared on certain shows or... uh she and adam Polly were also on uh mini project but i i think i had seen her i thought she was in one of the 21 jump street movies no my she bad Okay, so Office Christmas Party, Happy Time Murders, and yeah, Happy definitely. Okay, so there you go. So she's done way more TV, like Last Comic Standing, RuPaul, and I even iCarly. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm surprised because I definitely swear I have seen her do some kind of stand-up set. <laughs> but yeah, I, I liked how she did a few jokes at herself without deprecating herself you know she she hasn't tried to pull a melissa mccarthy where look 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 i'm fat uh, and it's like cool okay no we're picking on the guy but there's too much of that mean-spirited humor <laughs> well she actually felt she played a character unlike some absolutely and i like how they don't even make they they kind of make fun of their disguises instead of making fun of how they would beat in a fight and it's like yeah that, so you can actually it's a deliberately over the top premise instead of yeah okay okay i don't buy any of these guys is this campy or not you know you're, you're never having to call the tone into question 
you're pretty much has, i would argue yeah probably one of the best reveals for like the the name for the show anytime they open it and it will be the name in certain spots oh yeah i did see that. that it was kind of like a better call saw where the the title would yeah. fade into different stuff and what they're talking about happens to play into it and kudos on these writers because i'm looking at their credits it's shit i would never watch you know it's like vampire diaries mm-hmm. and all that but it just shows you hey people can evolve and do all kinds of things i mean chip johansson for instance before he was the showrunner on the third season of millennium and joined the homeland 24 writing staff you know his first gig was no like beverly hills 90210 you know everyone gets a start but you never know how much of that is you know the showrunner's telling you to make stupid decisions versus your writing's not there yet or maybe you're good at tv versus movies <laughs> but yeah i wasn't in any of the above sometimes Pretty much, I, I wasn't in any doubt uh, with any of these guys because they kind of just leaned heavily into the surprise. <laughs> That's true. Although, I would like to see more will, of the family, but <laughs> I will admit, like the you know the one guy that helps him, the the tech guy, I call him. Yeah, yeah, um, Milan yeah. Carter's character, yeah, uh, Barry. He, uh, I was, I was a little worried at first with some of the jokes he was making. Yeah, if he was going to be but, too cute or just have jokes yeah. that no one else wanted to tell. Uh, it was a bit of constant references, but they actually developed his character well as a good as a show. Oh, yeah. Him and the NSA the gal he has a crush on, uh, Tina. Uh, she's from AP Bio, but I was kind of the same way. I'm like, oh, dear, is this going to get too soapy in between all this Nikita-type action? <laughs> and but they had to find balance for each character. Right, and the fact that they're all going on the mission to where it doesn't feel like they're all disposable or just dickheads at a computer. Yeah. Playing with people's lives, and there's time to breathe in between each segment, so you don't have to get bored waiting for the next shootout. And the shootout often closes out or starts every laugh, so I think that helped. Instead of, whoa, what a cool explosion. Oh, now we're going to break for laughs. (laughs) That may or may not work. <laughs> and even some of it gets kind of brutal. It does. <laughs> some of the scenes. When they're having to, that was funny too. And it's like they're having to get a kidney owner and they're like, and I'm not asking. <laughs> no. And I was like, okay. I'll give uh, for that. I did it. I think that really got a little dark for some people I was watching with. I'm like, guys, it's a spy comedy. Tell me when a spy does anything that is ever ethical. <laughs> you're practically no. a hitman for the CIA. <laughs> and your mission is to not get caught and save the world. <laughs> I mean, Somebody's uh, going to get dark. You can't really change that. Yeah, but could assume for not getting too graphic with the gunshots while still not holding yeah. back, if that makes sense. Like, okay. And having to work for the cut. violence. Like some things would. Yeah, it was kind of the right amount of over the top without being like Scarface level where you're like, oh, okay, put the kids to bed. <laughs> yeah. Just as many PlayStation people are going to watch this as well as people who are giving their kids permission to watch these Netflix shows with them. Whew. Uh, how, how do you feel Arnold did with this? Did he kind of just take a back seat or and kind of let them guide him or did he kind of lead the show, do you feel? It was kind of like a mixture of both. Yeah, like I he, kind of felt so too. He just varied by episode. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he 
seemed like you know he was in control of the show, but it didn't feel like he was his ego got in the way, like how some stars would. I think COVID and him feeding his donkeys on social media, I think he's just had time to just reflect, hey, I love being a farmer. So I think that's just it. He's the guy growing the crops, but he doesn't always pick them or cook. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the scene on the docks was kind of touching. He's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm looking out for you. <laughs> I think he wanted to just kind of play a dad and just... Kind of a short while because, like, his uh, stepson, uh, Joseph Bonham, has now been also pursuing a bodybuilding career and just came out with a Top Gun knockoff for Netflix. So, I mean, uh, that's true. I, and it seems like this is just comfortable. Have the most fun when the most comfortable doesn't feel like they're being forced to do that. Some <laughs> stars were cringeworthy to watch, to be honest. Oh, uh, totally. Uh, how many seasons do you think this has left in it? I could say maybe, maybe two or three. That's my All guess. Right. I can't see it going for 10 seasons. There's no way it would. Because go as seasons. a contrast, I never saw Young Rock because like you, I was kind of already done with The Rock, but it seemed like it was fun because it just allowed him to be kind of real and be comfortable playing a fictional version of himself. But that, that lasted for about two seasons. Um. Uh, it's usually the norm for comedy shows. They usually go for two and they don't go for more than that anymore. That's more than network shows, more than the streaming ones. At, at most, I want it to be five seasons, kind of like Chuck, but don't don't get disorganized. Don't fire your writers. Give them as much freedom as you can. And, I mean, if this is it, if they don't renew this, shame on them. But I think the reason, as a side scroll, this, this worked better for me than, say, John Claude Van Johnson, because that one was just so much over the place, and I'm just not too big of a Van Damme fan to just want to track along with it. I just kept going, why is Felicia Rashad on here? And what are they making fun of? Didn't they already cover this in JCVD where he broke the fourth wall talking about his career? <laughs> this last thing, at least for a few years. Like I don't see Arnold wanting this to just be his path going forward. I know he has a film that He's planning on doing from the director of Expendables 4. So, oh, uh, Rick Roman Wong. Okay. Yeah. No, Scott Waugh. Oh, Roman. Scott Waugh. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So, my bad. Rick Roman Wong's doing Cliffhanger 2 and all these other Gerard Butler movies. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. I'd love to see that. I, I hope he keeps having fun. The Kennedys can't kill all of the media because, man, they blasted the shit out of this. It's like, really? I know. <laughs> CNN was kind of okay with it, but it's like, okay, whatever, guys. <laughs> it just sounds like just none of them ever liked Arnold, so now, unless it's a T2-related anniversary screening, we got to talk shit about him, even though everyone loves him. <laughs> and that's uh, why I don't kind of read him reviews, especially for yeah. Arnold stuff, because mm-hmm. I know what they're going to say automatically. Yeah, the point. It's gonna be some booty. We'll return after these messages. Hello and welcome to Culture Shocked, the pop culture podcast brought to you by four aging millennials and our outdated opinions. Join us every Tuesday as we discuss movies, TV, games, and even music, new and old. Dude, what do you think you're doing? Are you seriously trying to record a promo without us right now? Well, uh, yeah.
dude, you can't just do the promo by yourself. Who's going to listen to that? Yeah, and you probably haven't even told them that we're a pop culture podcast where we always agree on everything. Uh, for instance, the Sam Raimi trilogy easily being the best of the Spider-Man movies. J no, no. But I think we can all agree that Jaws is a classical masterpiece. Mm, nope, don't like that. But we do all agree that the sequel trilogy of Star Wars is the best in the Skywalker saga, right, guys? That comment is so ridiculous. I don't even know where to. Anyways, uh, that'll do it from all of us here at Culture Shock. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Brent Pope, the host of Breakfast with Brent Pope. You've seen me on some of your favorite TV shows saying things like, "Give it up, Jimmy. You got to sink this putt to win." On Breakfast with Brent Pope, I sit down with guests from the entertainment world, and we do it all over breakfast. Or should I say, breakfast? Every week on Breakfast, you get inside Hollywood info and tips, great breakfast wrecks and booty debates. Most of all, you get the most delightful 30 minutes of your week. So dig in. It's breakfast time. Listen at breakfast.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Do you ever find yourself thinking about who would win in a fight between Goku and Superman? Hi, I'm James Gavsey, and on the Who Would Win show, me and my co-host Ray ignore anything important happening in the outside world and debate fictional battles between characters from comics, movies, and video games. We got a new show every week, and almost always am I the winner. Yeah, not true, Ray. In the past, we've discussed such matches as Captain America versus Darth Vader, Solid Snake versus the Iron Giant, classic matchups like RoboCop versus Terminator, and even the Muppets versus Sesame Street. That one was crazy. So if you're a fan of geek culture and love a spirited debate, check out the Who Would Win Show wherever you get your podcasts or check us out at whowouldwinshow.com. We let things pile up in the DVR. We add them to our queues. We wait for the DVDs and Blu-rays. We time shift. The Time Shifters podcast sci-fi horror fantasy superheroes comedy action film television maybe some not so current events find us on itunes or at timeshifterspodcast.com cool thing about blind knowledge is we are in multiple countries we are worldwide all across the globe we are in the u.s we are in the uk we are in canada germany india japan we're in australia y'all blindknowledge.com now back to the feature presentation. Here for the second part of the FUBAR and JCVD show. Showdown, as I will call it. Myopia Movies himself, host Nick Hoffman. Welcome. How you guys doing? Who is first guest spot ever. <laughs> yeah. uh, so Nick has had a fun career on myopia movies just dissecting just bizarre movies that have spanned numerous generations and describing why they're still infamous or wrongly convicted of being bad movies or even just imperfect guilty pleasures that you're just going to look a fire at back when hollywood was absurd and uh, he's had a wild run of it uh, after the original host ditched it he pretty much took it over made it more r-rated in terms of <laughs> filter and just uh he just always has some fun guests as well but well welcome welcome sir well, thanks i uh, appreciate those of you out there who already know the show uh we are as we are speaking right now so you know <laughs> late summer 
Plus, what I heard was Garfield. I was guffawing. I'm like, ah, I saw that in the theater, but I forgot it existed. <laughs> As you should. It's garbage. Uh, <laughs> and the fact that you had to record it twice. I'm like, oh, man, for a kid's movie, I could not do that to myself. No, it's just the problem is, well, first, I'll, I'll, I'll pitch the show. Uh, it's called Myopic <laughs> Movies, as in we're short-sighted on movies from the past, hence myopic. Um, <laughs> it used to be, back in the first season when we were starting the show, uh, Myopia Defend Your Childhood, um, and then co-host, friend of the show, still still, still hosts with me occasionally, Okay, Daniel, um, made so many people not want to return because he was really mean that we took out the defense part and just poke fun at old movies. There you go. Um, yeah. But generally, the formula was movies that were at least 10 years old in 2013 when we started. But now we've been doing it for a decade. So shows that existed when we started the show, we can now talk about, <laughs> which is exactly what it sounds like. Oh, and the, the way you guys would do back and forth. You motherfucker. You made me watch this movie again. <laughs> you know, it's just so funny how you would prank each other. You, you really figured out social media. You're, you're active on Twitch, Twitter, YouTube. You do your own roof riffing tr uh, tr troop, and uh, you had an awesome list on defending movies that were poorly ranked on IMDb and seeing if there was just something in those nuggets. You know everything from Ballistic X versus Ever to Speed Two. <laughs> well, and like, and, and part of the point I want to make here is, I mean, to see a line from We Hate Movies and Eric Siska, it's always fine to like a movie. Problem yeah. is though, um, now we can be much more discriminating with our tastes. And we don't know how to describe why we like what we like. Why Why is it? I, I always pretty much ask the upfront question. Why does everyone give Roland Emmerich and Rennie Harlan and all these other guys a get out of jail free card? And yet Michael B Bay is the only one that gets shat on. And why does you ball get ignored? And yet all these other infamous video game adaptators get out of jail free. So it's it's funny how we kind of, we don't, we're kind of losing our basis on how to describe blockbusters. Like, Everyone's now picky with the latest ones. Some are going to watch the newest Conjuring, and others are going to be like, fuck that, I'd rather go see Saw. Same thing with action. Oh, I'd rather see Mission Impossible or Expendables versus the upcoming Hasbro, Marvel, DC, or even Fast and Furious franchise. Saw enter, you know, but you can like it all, and you can hate it all, or you can like half of it. <laughs> well, and, and part of it, I think what you said, which is absolutely right, is that there aren't a lot of movies in between anymore. Right? Yeah, like, what is in between? The levels yeah. are off the scope, Mr. Scott. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know, like um, that Flash movie, for example, which, oh. you know, one day someone will write a book about how that movie came about. That will be so entertaining. But, yeah, and I will read it, and it will be mediocre like the movie was. But the problem is not the mediocrity. The problem is that they made that movie for $250 million. Exactly. <laughs> And to make that much money back is impossible. I mean, and we'll talk about Fubar here eventually. You know, that's the point of the show. Yeah, so what we'll we're relating into it. Yeah, yeah, no, it's fine. It's fine. I mean, uh, what we're talking about now is an even harder to describe thing. Yeah. Sitcoms where actors make fun of themselves. The Rock came out with one called Young Rock, where he was talking to like a fictional version of various celebs and having a young actor play a young version of them. I haven't seen it. Everyone's been kind of mixed. For me, it well, kind of came out at the wrong time where i was oversaturated with the rock to where i'm like i don't i don't need to see it <laughs> i'm with you 100 um but like the, the at least fubar didn't cost 200 million dollars to make yeah it, it, never where you're scrambling saying it's not like any other blockbuster movie where you see something stupid like 50 shades or even 
I don't know, any other kind of car or revenge knockoff movie where you're like, okay, take away this actor. This is just a $10,000 revenge movie, you know? <laughs> it's interesting right. how we, like you say, we have to decipher that. Some people don't seem to even, the term B-movie has even changed over the course of this. And actors, some of them keep saying, making a living saying, I'm making fun of myself, but really they're still not quite in on the joke you know Shatner would vary with that when he would lampoon himself and was like okay well you're on a good sitcom but I don't think you gave a good performance making fun of yourself versus right. here you were better because you were leaning less into the camera and kind of letting everyone you're being part of the ensemble it's interesting how you know when we talk about Van Damme's show Van Johnson right uh, did, did you see any of that before we get into the foobar I mean, I've, I've seen some of it. I've seen uh, the JCVD movie. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I will say, at least the dude who can't take him, who has to take himself seriously, Stallone, instead decided to make a reality TV show because right. then he could just and be a, Stallone. And a gangster <laughs> show with the Yellowstone guy. So there you go. But yeah, no, that's a good point too. I, I think uh, Eddie Murphy just kind of likes to do just casual stuff while Stallone is just doomed to repeat history. Wow. <laughs> And all our other guys are just too old or just retired and they kind of miss their window to poke fun of themselves. Like I can't see Christopher Walken doing as much comedy because he's getting up there. Well, right. I mean, and, and uh, you, I mean, the one that we, this probably the lowest of low is Steven Seagal. Yeah. And he just pretended he was a bounty hunter for three weeks. And maybe his, his whole life show. was a lie. So great. How, how do you tell the truth when you've been, you've never told the truth. <laughs> you, right. you can't. <laughs> and now he's an enemy of the state or something wherever he is in russia like uh he and vladimir just... can suck each other off for all i care that's right <laughs> um but yeah so like and then the other problem with this is if it's not going to make a billion dollars in profit <laughs> it it's automatically goes to netflix and so yep, like yep. there's no such thing as an in-theater comedy anymore you, yeah. you couldn't make a muppet movie anymore because those are yeah. middle tier things that people like they get but they don't make enough back exactly you know and so that's why someone like chris nolan is interesting because he makes action movies but they aren't traditional action movies and tenet the most traditional of them failed um so i'm interested to see how oppenheimer does um barbie is interesting because it's got an incredible cast and an interesting director but it should by no means be a summer blockbuster and yet Right. And it's weird. It's trying to not be a toy commercial, yet it's still a toy commercial. So it's interesting how we're trying to have classiness to something. I mean, the Lego movie was kind of the same I was going to say the Lego movie. Yeah, but no, you that's, that's true. I mean, uh, Chris Nolan could very well be the next Coppola, or he could be the next Michael Cimino, where he's just too ambitious. Yeah. And people say, you can do whatever you want, but it can't be free hours anymore. We, we're just not going to take a chance on that shit anymore with director's cuts. <laughs> well, and I mean, I guess the other option is he becomes Wes Anderson and he makes movies for a third the budget. Oh, there right? you go. <laughs> um, and again, I, I like you mentioned some people early, like Rennie Harlan. Uh, the other one I throw in is W.S. Anderson, Paul W.S. Anderson. There you go. Yeah. Because their movies cost 50 million bucks. They make 100 million bucks and you can make a lot of those movies. Um, uh, pitching the show again, where the thing that's coming out um, in next month we are doing uh, some movies we did in the first 25 before we knew what we were doing and revisiting <laughs> them. And one of those is Mortal Kombat 1995, which go. is a hell of a fun movie. It's stupid as hell, but guess what? It's a movie and it's fun. And 
you're there well, for it that, that's a good point on anderson i do remember the mk episode and yeah he's done even just casual projects that have kind of become cult movies i kind of dug pompeii because he was actually trying to recreate old sword and scandal movies but yeah. it was a blister because everyone else was more content just seeing him film his wife Mila Jovovich in these bastardized video game movies. So it's just interesting how I, I, I compared them to Roger Christian. And that's a good, you, I mean, do you want right. to remember him for his work on Alien, Life of Brian, and Star Wars, and being the second unit director on the other movies, or do you want to remember him for his period piece dramas, his experimental sci-fi movies, and his flops yeah. like Battlefield Earth? So you know. It's just, or that time he needed to refinish his garage, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, like, and again, Paul W. Sanderson has made Event Horizon, a great film. Yeah. And he's also made 17 Resident Evil movies, which grow in mediocrity each time. Um, but you he know what? Other stuff that seems to be inspired by his earlier stuff, like Event and Soldier, like Pandorum, but people don't look, pay attention to that. They're more keen on, yeah, didn't, when's the next Resident Evil coming out? <laughs> it's not doing those anymore yeah yeah and but, i mean yeah people don't keep up with stuff unless their name is nolan or spielberg or scorsese and I, I don't get the hate watching mentality anymore i can understand if it's a bad soap opera like i i, I looked forward to making fun of every episode of ncisla back in the day it was poorly shot compared to the other shows it was like a bad version of an even worse version of walker texas ranger and yeah. I, I can see why people were but people were kind of I noticed hesitant to see Fubar because they either didn't know about it or they just thought the trailer sucks. And it's interesting because I was, you know, I don't watch trailers anymore because I just know they're not produced in studio anymore. It gives it all away or it's it, it's just all deleted scenes that aren't going to be in the thing. So I I go in with zero expectations every time and just go on the talent. I'm like, okay, yeah, this guy, he wrote these like it or hated sci-fi or mystery or horror anthology movies i'll take a chance on him and these other actors but most people are going to just go did it trend on netflix did it break the internet on youtube last week oh we gotta see it <laughs> make fun of it well and, and a lot of it too well first of all you brought up some good stuff here first which is that i don't hate watch anymore i mean and like it's too much is it, well there's so much i can just skip it right like yeah why watch anything you know c or lower you, always, you can i always skip. wait for hbo because yeah. a three-hour movie becomes 20 minutes exactly i skip to like, the highlights the overpaid actor giving a half-ass speech they're miscast in and i move on with my day as opposed to oh, those guys took away <laughs> and, and i mean so many shows now uh i mean you they have go downhill so fast man that well, they oh. hit it but you have so many streaming services that you have a creator with a good idea and that's one season. And if it gets renewed, they don't have ideas for the second season. So yeah. it might survive. It might not. Like I'm, I just finished a uh, dairy girls, which was a BBC show. The first season's incredibly funny. My, my sister's but, a big fan. Yeah. Yeah. Second one's pretty good, but then Netflix brought it back for a third season mm. and it came out a couple years later. It doesn't have the same momentum and it just, they need stuff to advance the plot. So it just, it feels very forced. Um, right. I think and, they're more or less likely to do business with Netflix nowadays, just because aside from the price cuts, they're, like you say, not everyone can be like Sean Ryan or David E. Kelly, where they they keep outlining it and having each season stand on its own so that yeah. they don't have to worry about cancellation eventually. And it's like, well, 
<laughs> if you don't cover your tracks, you're just going to keep getting disappointment. And people just aren't patient anymore. They want their fart jokes. They want their gory crime scenes. They want their character doing something unethical, <laughs> challenges their well, own ethics. Well, even if it was just BBC style and you had one six episode season, <laughs> that would be fine. It's just part of it is you were mentioning trailers. I don't know how people find shows. Had yeah. Stranger Things not become a cult show, I don't think anyone would have ever heard of it because it wasn't advertised for the first three months. Like, I, dumb luck. Yeah, no. Yeah. I uh, Often I go to Taste Dive or something, shows yeah. that are like Power, shows that are like Ray Donovan, and I get five other shows that have characters doing sketchy, moral, morally challenging <laughs> stuff. And shows that have spy stuff like Jack Ryan or 24, you know, and you just, you, you have to be meticulous, but yeah, like you say, it is dumb how Netflix is kind of showing that direct video doesn't exist anymore. The internet, it's straight to the internet now. It is straight to, and zero word of mouth, like you say, because we want our stocks, we want our investors, we, we want to make as much money back from doing nothing. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 everyone's doing it even even places that it's baffling for if there's anyone yeah, who's yeah. more protective of their ip it's disney so how do they not advertise a movie like Encanto until like <laughs> uh, we don't talk about bruno becomes like the number one like song to karaoke and gay bars yeah. like, like, how does it take months for lin-manuel miranda's musical like you would think people would know how to advertise by now but unless it's a star trek property on paramount or you know or a remake, like they brought back Beavis and Butthead. I heard about that one. Like, yeah. I just that that stuff blows me away. How do you at spend least so Apple much bought A twenty four? You know, right. it seems like everybody's doing shortcuts. Uh, I heard a great interview with Kevin J Anderson on the How Not to Make a Movie podcast by the Tales from the Crypt writers, sure. and he was like, "When I started in the nineties, there was thirty publishers. Now there's five because Borders went out of business. They went out of business or merged with other companies." And that alone is baffling because, like you say, everyone took everything for granted. They weren't thinking about syndication rights or where the show would be in 20 years. They kind of just said, hey, if it's good enough, we'll get a DVD release. Now it's, oh, by the way, this isn't going to get any physical media release. It's either going to be streamed here until we lose the rights and Tubi or Plex buys it. <laughs> right, exactly. And, you know, I, and I'm sure, I'm sure it's oversimplification. But like a show like The X-Files back in the day oh, yeah. must have had a hell of a development process because that pilot is incredible. And because then you have pilot week and then you have auditions and then it might get greenlit for half a season and then they're dealing with it. And you know, at some point it might end and then it just builds and builds and builds. And then they go to the writer's room. We've got to figure out how the second season's going to tie together because no one's going to give a shit otherwise. I don't know. And then know you have a show on here, do. like Inside Job or something like that or Picard even. <laughs> Where they like you're like, did you just say what if we brought back Captain Picard? Because there was clearly no plot to the first season, and and they spent a lot of money. You know <laughs> the idea of of them not like I I think part of it now too is there is a whole different game, and I feel like someone who I like like Rhett and Link on Good Mythical Morning have a better chance of making a show than someone who actually can put together a decent script just based on their personality. And that makes it for a whole different environment now. And I, yeah, uh, the there was a recent book 
by this person. I think they were in Variety. They, they said it's not TV, which talked about how toxic the various HBO rooms were, like from Sopranos era to now. And yeah. I think you know, I think it's not just greed. It's not just writers who are brilliant for one season and then get spoiled. I think it's now even just. Uh, I think it's to the point now. Everybody's just so on edge; they don't even have a moment to breathe, let alone think coherently. They're just like, "Did we get renewed? Oh fuck! What are we gonna do next season? I'm so glad we got picked up, but I don't have a fucking idea." <laughs> Well, I mean, and again, um, we're seeing it now with the SAG AFRA strike and the Writers Guild of America uh, strike, where like, uh, and again, uh, it, 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 as we're speaking, the writers have been on strike for almost 80 days and bad. there's no end in sight. But like, it just lets you know that producers care less and less about writing. They are bad. That's a problem. It's a yeah, huge you problem. You don't have to be Weinstein to be a shithead. Basically, no. I mean, you guys have talked about John Peters when he did your Wild Wild West episodes. It's like, there's still some other scummy people out there like Amy Pascal who it's like, get them out of here. They're not professional. Have you seen their emails lately? They right. talk like five-year-olds on crack. <laughs> and, and and it's funny. You'd think with this streaming megalopolis we're living in, there'd be room for different production houses to then be licensed. Something. Like A34, <laughs> right? But instead, it seems like somehow these people have more and more power as opposed to less and less power, which is just flabbergasting. Like, They're insecure control freaks. And yeah. the, the, these writers, especially, I was on the fence on because I didn't think they were all infamous, but they, you know, the main showrunner had done all the prison break shows and other stuff, like one of the co writers on Iron Man and Punisher Warzone. And the rest were like Vampire Diaries, The Shield, and other cult or infamous soapy shows. And it was just like interesting. So all these guys were able to kind of go into comedy detour yeah have arnold kind of go into true lies territory again but actually kind of I'll, I'll let you settle your thoughts on whether he actually felt like he was part of an ensemble and comfortable versus kind of playing to the camera like he usually does uh, but it's interesting how like you say this came about uh i'm sure like many of these other shows you were talking about they probably I remember being announced back in, I think, 2017-ish. So, yeah, it, it felt like it was another passion project that was never going to happen. And I'm sure they probably had the most inane arguments. Arnold, oh, his movies don't make money anymore. And, oh, he's on bad terms with the Kennedys. And it's like, well, That's right. he still has an audience. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, well, let's get into the show just a bit. Um but yeah, I was with you. Like the Van Johnson show, I did not care for, even though JCVD, which explore the same topics, really hit home, I thought, on uh, why Van Damme took himself too seriously. He wanted to be a serious actor, but that just wasn't how the playing field was. He was going to be Mr. Russell's guy who kicks people in the face. You know? Yeah, I mean, and I think he's always going to be... And I like his starting roles. I like Bloodsport. I like Universal Soldier. I like, mm -hmm. uh, you know... Time Cop. Double trouble. Uh, Double, all yeah, there you go. Um, but he he's barely above like a made for TV guy. He just doesn't hold the screen the same as some of the big guys. Yeah. Um, and he wants to. He's always considered himself like Stallone, the biggest guy on the planet. You know, he was the original <laughs> Predator. Uh, right. <laughs> and like, and he's just like, I'm not going to be on the costume 
And so he left. And I you're have just an like, ego, but I don't have an ego. I'm going to go get high on the Street Fighter movie and uh, you're going to kiss my ass, Mr. Producer. <laughs> well, I mean, and Street Fighter, of course, is just his debacle. Cause... His apocalypse now. <laughs> yeah, because he, he, Mortal Kombat was based on Bloodsport. Yeah. And he said, and he said, no, we're not going to do a blood. I'm not going to do a video game. And then it becomes the biggest video game ever. So they make a movie and they're like, you can be Johnny Cage. And he turns them down. And then that movie is a big deal. And so then he does Street Fighter. <laughs> and you're just like, you only get so many chances, buddy. You really only get so I many chances. I don't know why he slept back so much. You would have thought he would have said yes to everything at that point because he was just. I mean, at that point, man, like, I. And that's the problem with these action guys, too. Like, between, like, the late 80s and 2000, they were the stars, right? Like They were the superheroes. Yeah. Well, but people were shocked that Michael Keaton was invited to be in a movie like Mm -hmm. that, right? Stallone famously says, you know, it ruins action movies because, you know, I could just put on a foam (laughs) suit. I don't have to be this buff. And you're just like, no, you're just, you're still Stallone. Yeah. And Michael Keaton has to be a maniac, which he is in those Batman movies, which is fine. <laughs> he, he, he is terrifying in those movies. He really is. Oh, um, man. And but, all these other guys who were like the everyday people, they were like, I guess we'll follow a, another leading man role, but I'm not going to work out in the gym every week. And I'm only as good as the movie, which might be anything from a stupid psycho thriller to an erotic thriller to just some other just action-packed war movie <laughs> no totally and um <laughs> you know and that's why I kind of think arnold is the one who floats to the top i mean he had his dark days uh um, he really did and uh after the did you hear the hans and franz drama on uh i know you're a fan of hans and franz but i don't know if you heard the conan o'brien yeah with the uh if you don't know it uh there's a podcast called conan yeah. needs a friend Covered and, in the same week. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. So the that whatever it was, two, three part episode where they do the whole script is yeah, so ambitious. I can see why it wouldn't have worked anyway. The producers weren't speaking the same stuff. And again, last action hero flops. So then Arnold was like, Well, I guess I gotta be serious again because people don't understand me making fun of me. <laughs> I, I have I guess I have to run for governor. Um, yeah, I guess there's money in politics. <laughs> I'm not making any money anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm, people uh, want to see me play a cyborg, and I don't want to keep doing that. Well, uh, were you surprised yeah. at the various cast members on here? Because uh, I heard some of them on this other podcast. Uh, the wife is the one hot tub gal from Austin Powers. The a lot uh, of vagina. Yeah, uh, Fabiana Ugolino. Yes, yeah. the the daughter is from Chicago Justice and some of these other shows. And we had Tom Arnold. We had Scott Thompson from Kids in the Hall. We we had all these unusual people that just a hybrid of just unusual comedic names and Adam Pauly and a few other people from AP Bio and Mindy Project. And I was like, holy shit! Kudos to the casting department because anyone else would have been like, can we get Kevin Hart? Can we get you know someone else who's well, overused? I get the feeling they hired the first handful of guys. Um, you know, you get Arnold, you get... Are you uh, funny? Mar- You're hired. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you get uh, Mario Barbino, who is the, the daughter, Emma. Uh, Milan Carver, who is like um, uh, Richard Ayanade from IT Crowd, but American. Uh, yeah. Right down to the giant afro. He's the exact same character. Um, and then maybe Fortune Feimster, who is an alt-comedy person. She's on... If you look her up, 
She's Rue. She's on everything that's ever been on Comedy Central. She's very funny. Oh, and then yeah. Travis Van Winkle, who I've seen before. Um, hey, he's been on Last Ship, and uh, he was in this Justin Long college comedy. <laughs> well, but that's what I was going to say. He was in the Justin Long college comedy, which I think Jay Baruchel was also on. So oh, I think there you go. The ones, so there's a connection. There you go. I think they do, they're the ones who are like, who do you know who can be funny? Who do you know who can do this? And they just start pulling the other people in. Because I feel like, you know, like Jay Baruchel is kind of part of that Seth Rogen group that did everything for a while there. Oh, and so yeah. if Travis Van Winkle knew him from somewhere, why not? Uh, well, uh, that's just it. Like, uh, the, like you say, the stand-up comedian, yeah, she had been on Mindy Project with Adam. So I'm sure that's why they were like, let's just do another sitcom together. And But yeah, the hacker chick was from AP Bio. And yep. this is like her second recurring role everything else she's done has just been like comedic shorts for like college humor type stuff and uh but but the main hacker guy uh yeah. with glasses i was impressed by because i hadn't seen him do as many comedies and i think this is like his first big 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 role so yeah he's good and he's i mean and i think everyone does a good job on this right and you have to it was eight episodes so they didn't have yeah. to squander to fill out running time or oh shit how are we going to get to 20 episodes now <laughs> well right and it keeps the show fairly tight i'm we can talk at the end whether it goes on a little bit too long or not i'm i'm yeah no sure that. every show does unfortunately even at eight yeah. episodes you will unfortunately see like on all of these in my experience by episodes four or five you'll see ones where you're like hmm was I just meant to just go into one after the other? You know, is it the Breaking Bad effect or was it just leftover deleted scenes, you know, <laughs> stretched out? Yeah, and I and I, I, I don't know how the show was put together. I decided to go into it by just watching the show. But yeah, if you Phil told Abraham, me... he's worked on just about everything. Daredevil, I, I was an extra on a war show he did. And oh, really? I, I lo- uh, it was a forgettable National Geographic thing called Long Road Home, but hey, <laughs> it was fun being covered in fake jelly, uh, you know, and sugar meant to be gory blood. And while well, we see all these crane cameras running around, you know, sure, sure, but sure, yeah, sure. He, he he started off being one of the leading cinematographers and second unit directors on like Sopranos type stuff, and he's just pretty much Netflix go to guy and uh. Now, what what did you think of the other Arnold guys here? Because we got the villain from Dark Fate as the baddie. Here is the Colombian drug lord. And then we got, you know, Tom Arnold. And then we got like a few other just like references to earlier Arnold material that's kind of like hit and miss. Like if you don't get it, you'll still kind of laugh at the in-between right. stuff. But if you're a hardcore Arnold fan, you're going to be like, oh, 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 of course there's a copter joke. <laughs> sure, of course. Um, Personally, I like the show a lot. And I I like it because um this is way movie stuff but i think between 9-11 and fairly recently action movies started taking themselves way too seriously oh they were bad so yeah i mean like for example those born movies are very well made but there's uh, or the bond movies of daniel craig but there's not a lot of levity there's not a lot of enjoyment it's very gritty it's very dark the dark knight trilogy is like this as well john wick and and equalizer should not be working taken shouldn't have worked but they somehow got through the mold even though everything else was just like you say just flopping you're like oh remember that bad movie with that great actor and those explosions oh yeah that sucked <laughs> and i mean like um uh 
even Arnold had his movies like that. Like The Last Stand. Collateral Damage was atrocious. Oh my God. That was like Colombiana before it was infamous. <laughs> exactly. And, and these movies are joyless. And what Arnold is really good at is well, that little thing. <laughs> yes, right. Like Commando might be his best movie because it's kind of funny and it's kind of dark. And Even when there's bloopers, the bloopers kind of actually elevate the material somehow, unlike other movies where you're like, okay, this is samurai cop type drunk fest. You know? <laughs> It is. And and like Terminator 2 also is fun. Like, and so broke, broke the does... world before there was even internet. <laughs> exactly. Um, I mean, and yes, he did humor like jingle all the way in last action, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying even when he did action, there was levity. And for about 15 years there, we lost that in action movies altogether. This feels more like that back to form kind of it's over the top, it's outrageous. You know, it's got that kind of John Wickness where he'll make 15 headshots in a row. Yeah, um, yeah. and then be like, holy shit, I don't know yeah. how I still got it. You know, it's just something to just ele elevate it, move it along. And, and that's what we were noticing, too, is like the action. I was afraid the action was going to slow it down. But surprisingly, it just was like it happened when it had to happen to either in the episode or add to the comedy. I'm like, OK, good, because I was afraid they were going to play to the camera in between all the gory, you know, CGI headshots and expensive you know gr green screen you know it's like no they're they're gonna happen when it needs to happen but then we're gonna have like this other amusing build up is like oh shit I, i've just well, discovered my daughter's a spy how do i break the news to her that her whole life's a lie i'm a spy too <laughs> right and i mean like and, and there are moments where he's got the kind of danny glover he's too old for this shit yes. <laughs> like, where he'll he'll try to lift something which you know back in the conan days he would have just lifted but now he's struggling <laughs> to do so because they're leading into the fact that he's a 70 year old man with a donkey right like <laughs> and, and they get it and i i, I appreciate that oh, i appreciate man. that as well. it was neat and uh but yeah, I I didn't expect it either. I was I was half optimistic, half mm, this could easily backfire. And at the worst comes to worst, you know, we'll just watch the classics again. But uh, yeah, uh, it, it pretty much has cult show written all over it. I, I saw some people complaining, oh, I find I find some of the family annoying, but it seemed like they're just. I don't know. I feel like a lot of people are just impatient nowadays. They they just want their they want either drama or no drama. And it's like, well, this, you got to have some kind of dramatic stake, even in a comedy, you know, like, well, it's supposed to ground them. And I think your reference to, of course, true lies is on the nose. Uh, I mean, not in a bad way. That's what they're doing. Like oh, totally. I have a normal family, but look at my beautiful Fine comedy. Uh... Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, I would you know, so pay to see that. Uh, they probably didn't have the budget for that since she just won the Oscar, but I would right. so pay to see that next season. She, she could be a CIA head who's like, not on my watch. You don't get to misbehave anymore. <laughs> I mean, or she, or there's a honeypot and and Schwarzenegger has to seduce her. She'd be a good villain. You know? um, I he do protects like, her from a serial killer. Right. Oh, sure, why not? No. Um, but then, you're, then you're strangely close to a Jim Belushi movie. Um, <laughs> but like, I love the idea too, because like at the end of the episode... You like Boro is an interesting villain. He doesn't want to die. At the end, they super kill him. And I'm like, oh good. And then bad things show back up. Like you yeah. end the season with an actual ending, which is great. 
Um, I was worried about that too. I was like, oh, don't end on a cliffhanger. Don't end on a cliffhanger. Okay, good. You wrapped it up. Safe. Oh no, they took him down like Hugh, like Huey Long. Like he was shot 37 times. Was, you know, <laughs> bravo. Um, yes. But yeah, at like, like you said, we don't have to go through this whole thing. We can go through as much as you want. But I will say, the uh, I'm tired. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger is just such an interesting role. Him being, you know, just a spook for the it has CIA. Elevation as opposed to when Stallone or Bruce, even Bruce Willis did it. I'm on fucking vacation. I, we know That's you right. are. We know you are. We get it. We get it. Um, <laughs> I heard you the first time. <laughs> well, and I mean, and again, like it, it's got all the tropes, but it's much more direct that it's, you know, like Die Hard with Bruce. Uh, yeah. He's. You know, he he's lost no his helicopters wife. killing with cards. <laughs> right. But he's lost his wife because he's a you know a cop and he's never around. Fine. He's always but stressed he out com- and Stallone is always trying to do too much. I gotta make you a star, even though the script sucks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, at least Arnold doesn't have a writing credit on this. Oh <laughs> Stallone always has that writing credit. So when it sucks, it's kind of also always his fault. You're right. Um, yeah, basically the director is always a scapegoat and you're like, uh-uh. You know, you're, yeah. uh, shame on them for agreeing to this, but shame on you for deciding to be a dick to them. <laughs> well, yeah, you can only say my my idea was ruined. My idea was ruined uh, one too right. many times. And yeah, then don't don't pull away. a Josh Sweden where you're like, well. I did the first half. Bullshit. You did the whole thing. You just don't like how it's adapted. <laughs> you know, man, sometimes ideas just look better in your head. And I know, and I oh, know. Right? Maybe, or maybe just, I don't know, omit the thing that everyone complained about in the, I don't know, the sit-down room. <laughs> well, and I mean, sometimes, and the problem is, too, I, I don't know how any of these people are, but I just get the feeling that when Schwarzenegger enters a room, everyone, like, he, he, he plays ball. He's humble instead of just being, I only want to talk about myself. (laughs) Yeah, because like there's no weird ideas. Like you you know that when Stallone enters a room, he just saw a new X game and he wants to try to incorporate it into Cliffhanger. Right? Like (laughs) yes. But but Arnold is just he's about the work, and you know, both of them have this kind of charisma that when they're on stage, you want to look at them, but Arnold does it with a wink. And Stallone does it with gritted teeth. And there's a difference because I can't imagine Stallone coming home and bungling dinner, but this Arnold could come home and burn the DiGiorno and I believe it, right? Like it's funny. It's funny. I'm trying so hard, but we don't have to be reminded to laugh. (laughs) Which I was also afraid of. Oh shit. They're not going to remind us to laugh. They're not going to do what every other like trailer park boys or office knockoff does where they use the mockumentary style or, they keep breaking the fourth wall, but it takes us out of it versus organizes us. You know? Yeah. I mean, so, the one way they do it, which I think is well done, is they show how big Arnold is constantly. For example, yes. him, him, his, him as Luke and his daughter Emma will often have the same gun, for example. And she <laughs> is this, you know, muscular, beautiful woman who's aiming around corners very... He looks like he could crush this thing like a beer can, right? Like his hand is so much bigger. Him trying to aim with this thing, it barely peeks around his shoulder. The number of times, like that's funny. Like, like he is so massive in this world, even as like schlubby Arnold, that it's kind of funny to see him opposite these 
angular in shape dudes especially alden travis van winkle who's supposed to be american james bond he dresses well, right he's handsome he's oblivious to how laughable he is at times to where he just will sometimes just shrug his shoulders i'm sorry i take myself too serious he's basically arnold if he had an ego <laughs> he's arnold in true lies oh there right? you go yes and, uh, the and macho guy when... who's got it all figured I mean, out but really doesn't <laughs> exactly and my favorite little easter egg is tom arnold as the torturer is mm-hmm. just so delightful and and tom arnold is someone who sometimes gets more credit than he deserves and sometimes not enough and here he was a chocolate delight he just showed up on stage and i'm just like that's i think that's tom arnold and i think he's when he beats the crap out of that guy in the like home depot parking lot oh yes that was the best part oh my god <laughs> well, that in the prison gun. escape where he's like wait you don't have to actually hook me up to a helicopter i thought we we're just running out of here fuck <laughs> dude that is just and and you mentioned scott thompson from kids in the hall I, and shame on imdb like they made it look like he was just in like one or two episodes he's in the virtually like six episodes and just he's the counselor the he's like go on okay yeah you got some fucking problems <laughs> well, at, at one point uh luke and emma are in therapy and he takes out these puppets and he goes these are like muppet quality <laughs> puppets and he goes your tax dollars at work like and and like you know and if you don't know kids in the hall look it up they had a revival two years absolutely. ago absolutely yeah. yeah it was great because that one was practically them making fun of amazon prime half the time they're like well we shouldn't even be working nowadays but here we are <laughs> but here we are um and he has uh he's always the gay character he himself was gay mm-hmm. uh is gay and so like he just leans into it as this very fey therapy type. He's like, now tell me how you feel. He's America's grandfather. Yes. I take it back. <laughs> and he's just he's like whoever did that casting, it's delightful because remember we're still fighting that nine eleven seriousness, and it could be a throwdown, drag out, awful therapy scene I akin to a bad it. episode of House or something like. Yeah, Sopranos parody. You're like, oof. We don't want that. No, no, no. This is called Fubar. And at the end, Arnold looks at the camera, says the titular line as they drive out of movie town, and we're better for it. So having a kid in the hall being your therapist (laughs) is exactly what you need. Because he has that pleasant Canadian accent being like, I'm here for Langley, and I'm Canadian, and there's nothing wrong about that. And everyone's happier for that. Mm -hmm. Like, truly. What do you think of Barbara Eve Harris as the as the main cia boss she's been in everything from the fugitive to prison break and those writers worked on that so i'm sure that's why they brought her on of course and she's excellent i mean she's always looking at him like really i'm I'm your boss really you just really just said that okay i mean order (laughs) you're gonna have to help me here what's the character from suicide squad the woman who brings them all in oh she yeah that's right she does kind of have an amanda waller viola davis kind of appearance yeah. i mean and, and i like amanda davis in that role fine but that's who she is she she is dr waller and these guys are the poor man's a team but they don't really have any baggage other than again just the conflict of interest of uh father and daughter working at the same division and i always like how she's like this is going to be a problem you only have one shot to answer me you know <laughs> and that it's funny because that kind of elevates the comedy we're like uh everyone's got an oh shit look on their face uh Yes, yes, fuck yes, we can work together. <laughs> exactly. And um, the, the varying structures of her being in charge, 
knowing the conflict of interest, but knowing they're good at what they do. But also there's no necessary, well, he's the best. That's why he has to come back. Right. Nothing lazy like that. But he just he just knows Boro, so it makes sense, right? Like there's 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 they don't go out of their way to say he's the greatest that's ever been. He's not John Matrix again, right? Yeah. He's just good. But same mentality though, because like De Souza, Stephen De Souza, who you know you've talked about him before, how he created his own fictional universe with the Predator and uh, Ricochet and Die Hard movies. But yeah, uh, when he, he at one point Arnold was actually studios were not sure if they wanted him in Commando, and he's like then why the fuck did I write the script? It's a violent G.I. Joe cartoon already, but if you don't have them, none of the gags work. And it's just so funny how some people have had to kind of remind everyone, kind of just come out of their shell. And Arnold is just kind of a reminder of how every other wrestler just and MMA fighter hasn't been as fortunate. Randy Couture should be a big star, but instead he's yeah. doing shitty movies when he's not in an Expendables movie. Uh, Roddy Piper was kind of a cult guy there mm. for a while and then kind of disappeared yeah, yeah. into video stores. So it's... And Hulk Hogan, don't get me started. So it's just like <laughs> Mr. T did a bunch of other sitcoms playing off his A-team ego. But this is pretty much, instead of just, like you say, the, the tone is never compromised. I was really afraid it would be or it would be only for a certain crowd. But somehow it, like you say, it did all kinds of humor. It did sex humor. It did office humor. It did spy humor. And then it just had like all other kinds of stuff. And it didn't lean, like you say, I mean, like you say, Tom Arnold is torturing people. It doesn't lean too heavily into that. It's like literally just a minute and he's enjoying himself too much and you get the picture without going, okay, maybe this is for the Tarantino crowd. You know, <laughs> well, but, but, but at least it has the levity, right? Because if it yes. has no levity, it's then we're back in born territory and that's a problem, mm-hmm. you know? And, and you know, like- And, and then you, we and wouldn't you, take it serious. It'd be a R-rated episode of Burn Notice and we'd be like, okay, too junky, you know? <laughs> Right, exactly. And, and you know, you, or um, 24, it becomes 24. Oh, yes. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and that's fine. It's just yeah. not the show that they're making. And yeah. thankfully, they're not, because I want this to be more of a standard. I can watch this at the end of a long day. Heavy movies like your, you know, 20, 24 is not something I watch and then have a fun day the next day. No, I will invite you to do a series ranking with me. I promise. But is it, is it, that means you're having a hard whiskey and you're like, but what if the world did end? We almost yeah. lived through this. Hooray! You know, like... It's too much. Yeah. The, the only person that that works for, and I, I'm not a huge fan of him, but it works for, is a Chuck Norris vehicle. Because That's the man true. can do kicky punches, he, but he himself is not a funny guy. But the world he lives in is often... Conan O'Brien taught us that. Well, yes. <laughs> the bold water's good. <laughs> But yeah, like, no, it's true. So many people like took themselves way too serious. Like Wesley Snipes is probably my absolute favorite behind Snipes because he would do again comedies like the the Waterfront and Wong Fu, and then even be funny in otherwise serious movies. He knew how to kind of take the edge off of what would have ultimately otherwise gone to a Norris or a Seagal or even Bruce yeah. Willis type. And uh, we just don't have have that as much anymore. We just like I say, we have people either going too intense or just too much wrong sauce <laughs> just like yeah eh. and the second they have the name recognition like you say they get to pick the movies they should be in right like, i hope they can now i mean i'm so tired of seeing now that direct video is dead now you go straight to Redbox. now i'm seeing kusa cage de Niro, freeman and even thomas jane and ed harris at times it's like hey we're doing a movie that not even a festival wanted here we are 
the poster looks like shit, but hopefully we're good in it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, we're, uh, we're past Frank the days Rillo's of getting that. out of that. He went from being in Crossbones and Captain America and The Stranger and the Purge to two hit shows, and now he's back kind of in his own territory. He's doing demonic cult movies. He's doing some other MMA fighting movies, but every once in a while, I was worried because he would be in a dud with Bruce Willis before he retired. I was like, ugh, yeah, that, that movie did not deserve you, but I get it. You got to pay the bills. Sure. Well, I mean, and like we're a long way off from someone like Denzel, where he could be in like an oh, yeah. action movie and then he could do an Academy Award nominated role next, right? And like, he's kind of like Tom Hanks. He's like, uh, Tom yeah. Hanks is America's dad. Denzel is basically what I call America's godfather. He adopts right. you and you let he lets you into his world and you accept him, even if he's not generally someone you'd hang out with. You know? <laughs> right. No, I mean, it's true. It's, it's, um, recommend previous episode of mine, uh, Ricochet. Like, you know, yes. he's fighting a crazy, um, your co host hated so many of the lawyer shows in that one. Oh, oh of course. <laughs> of course. But I mean, at the same time, it's just, it's, it's outrageous. Like, movies like that, they don't make anymore. Um, that had Ice Charles... T. That shouldn't have worked, but Ice T, because he was a former Marine, uh, he, had, yeah. he said it recently in a recent Howard Stern interview where he was just like, I value people's time. I'm always on time. I'm early. Yeah. I I get in, I get out. I don't I don't have time to play games and make the world my trailer, you know. And it's just like and it's so funny. He made ten thousand on Ricochet and then he asked for he asked for a million, but he didn't get a million until he made Tank Girl or something for myopia movies. <laughs> and we'll I, lo I, lo I loved how he I love it too, but I loved how he phrased it. I got paid a million for playing a fucking kangaroo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, and playing a fucking kangaroo. <laughs> yeah, and and I mean, part of it too is just politics have changed in general, and I'm not saying libtard or whatever. No, no, no. I mean, like you could not make a Charles Bronson movie today. No, it's like, unless I'm going to shoot all the too. Puerto Rican. <laughs> yeah, or taken, and you disguise it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, as, yeah. As we're fine we with got... killing Eastern Europeans now, but like there was just those movies are good because. They know they're ridiculous. They're not trying to be inherently political. Mm -hmm. And this tiny little man is getting guns bigger than himself and going, Blamo. And that's the movie. I'm going to kill in it. Yeah. <laughs> and they're real explosions and real squibs. And it looks like something. And he seems and like a, and he's a nice guy off screen. So we're like, yeah, okay. He's going to be compromises ethics on screen. And uh, the closest we got is with Liam Neeson nowadays. Like, I saw this one spy movie he did that I actually thought was surprisingly decent, despite every critic hating it. But in that one, it opens up with him taking down a bunch of white supremacists and then sure. and then taking on all these other Blackwater, Tom Clancy-type assassins in the second half. But, and hell, there was this other one that was meant for, like, Clint Eastwood and where he saves a, a cartel kid. And I'm like, see... He's just playing a random rancher who's like, I guess I'm not guarding my property. I'm going to go take out a sniper rifle and kill some cartel guys. <laughs> well, I mean, and that, uh, that, I mean, that impression reminds me of Nick Cage, who's <laughs> the same way, right? Because, like, he's in this incredible movie called Jiu-Jitsu, which is oh, a martial art movie where there's, like, <laughs> he plays the guy in charge of the dojo. Like, he plays the mystic, Deep and I don't think he stands up the whole time. Yeah. Like, <laughs> He pulled a Seagal. Yeah, he didn't stand up. <laughs> I've talked to the director of Ballistic X versus Sever, and he talked about he was on a few projects that he almost got caged, and then he was too expensive. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> but he would have filmed it in places like that, in like Bangkok or... 
Sweden. And, I mean, and that's Nick Cage now, man. Like, yeah. he will still, I mean, because the, the thing is, at least he shows up. Like, by all accounts. Lundgren, same deal. He can make fun of himself. People know he's actually a bright guy in between these violent revenge movies he does that are on video store shelves and made for half the budget of an Equalizer Taken movie. And then, but and I mean, then, yeah. But Dr. Lundgren is not in 700 movies a year like Nick Cage. Like, right. by, all, <laughs> by, by all accounts, Pig should not be a good movie. By all accounts, the unbearable weight of massive talent should uh, not be a like good movie. Those, but I know what you mean. They, they were but, but they, like, they were hits. Yeah. <laughs> he shows up and he's he's like he is he'll be Nick Cage for you. Like that's that's incredible. I just I I mean and to Arnold's credit, the man is almost 70, or is more than 70, and he's slowing down. He but... shouldn't even be acting anymore, but here he is, <laughs> and we're happy, because we're like, he seems yeah, to I... care, and he's having fun, and uh, the fun is infectious, just like he never left. Yeah. I mean, like, the one thing that I think slows this show to a crawl is when everyone has to have their emotional awakening and tell the group why they are who they are. Like when Alden's talking about how he grew up poor and that's why he dresses fancy. Great, mm-hmm. I don't care. I'm, I I want I want you to punch people. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, and and I I mean at the end of the day it was eight episodes. Most were between forty five minutes and an hour. So we're talking about six hours of content. It and each been- episode ended absurd. Where they're like, oh fuck, we gotta get out of here. <laughs> And for some reason, the word foobar was written on things like a box of cereal or yeah. a file cabinet. So it's the name of the movie. Ah, oh, shit. I'm late for dinner. <laughs> yeah, right. And then the last line, like I said, is we're out of here in the car. Everything is gone foobar. Wink. Right. There you go. Yeah. Like you say, they, they did the screenwriting technique of actually acknowledging, hey, this is what's going on. <laughs> And then we drive. We 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 at that point we might as well drive out to eighty saxophone music, just like <laughs> like it's just. And every character is now in the car with them. I mean, they they've at least established people enough that when Fabiana and the uh, husband uh, and Jay Baruchel are in the car, we're like, oh, it's going to be awkward the next season. But there's so much to get there. Um, and some of it, I think, is more necessary than others. The side plot where the the niece or the nephew niece the niece needs bone marrow from the scumbag. I'm yeah, just it like, goes into dog day afternoon territory. <laughs> it is, and and it goes on for like an episode and a half, and it does pay off because Tom Arnold gets to be a little shit, and I appreciate that as someone who's about to have to review the stupids. And I, to see Tom Arnold be good in something is it helps, excellent. Maybe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Guilty but like, <laughs> oh, really? I, it's mainly because I like Brian Spicer, who worked on one of the Power Rangers movies, as well as Hawaii Five Eleven Twenty Four. But yeah, that's one that I don't think I've sat through all the way. It, again, back when TV existed, kids, uh, you would put on Comedy Central, and sometimes you just watch what Comedy Central had to Whatever offer. Whatever stupid movie was on. I think I mainly just dug the rest of the cast: Tim Curry, Deborah Messing, David Allen Greer, and but. Yeah, he wasn't ready to lead a movie, and I think that's when he stepped back and said, okay, go back to True Lies territory where I'm in the ensemble, I'm the computer geek, and he kind of did that surprisingly on one of the NCIS shows where he was playing a gambler who was helping out the cops once in a while, and like, so I think he's learned to just say, okay, I've been married to an awful comedian, I've 
overstepped with all my stupid sitcoms and other sketch shows. I need to just be part of a scene and again, not take it serious. <laughs> well, and what he's really good at in general is just the pacing of his voice because yes. he can just be delightful. And hell, he made fun just... of himself on Trailer Park Boys. Oh, I'm he here did. to buy some weed. And it's kind of cute. He was playing a perverted version of himself. Who does that? <laughs> he does. And it works because, like, then he could be someone's landlord. Then he can be someone's neighbor, <laughs> right? Because all he has to be is charming and passive aggressive, which he can do. And so here, him to be like, He's like Mr. Wolf in Pulp Fiction or something. Like he's the dude who he comes in when shit goes bad. I fix and he's wearing his, he's but he's dressed like Ned Flanders in a sweater vest. Like he's like shopping <laughs> yes, at crafting yes. stores. And Ned just Flanders like, the wolf. Perfect. I love it. <laughs> it's 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 delightful. And you needed it in scenes with torture because this show should not have torture, but yeah, it makes we're sense. We're all anti-torture on here. We like violent, stupid movies, but at the same time, we don't want it to. Like you say, influence, you know, bad ideas or go too far or sound like, you know, kind of the same thing with gun porn after a while. It's like, how much do you do where it's like, it's a fun, cool movie versus, okay, this felt like an NRA ad. And uh, for them to lean heavily into it, it's like where they're just making, I mean, they're even making passing glances and references saying, oh boy, this is not going to be good. <laughs> right. And then like, they then within the genre, have an episode with almost everything right they have a bottle episode where they're stuck in a in like kind of an imprisoning i mean it's essentially a fallout shelter but it's it's a bottle episode Psych war prison, the hacking yeah. epi- i mean and they do the hacking episode they do the infiltration episode they they they, they do the heist episode the like, debriefing they, episode and they're all off topic put your phones down <laughs> right and, and and so they've done it all and so now the next since you've already done an episode on fubar where do they go from here? Uh, um, they, they get more famous spies. Uh, like you mentioned before, they, they can get some other people in here. And even if it's just one episode where they just like slap Arnold in the face, that would be funny because, like you say, these they have to be a series of gags. And the minute yeah, the mean, gags die, the show dies. I, I think there's going to be, they're going to go to a safe house. And the person in charge of the safe house is going to be another. Right. Yeah. Always use a safe house. Yes, especially for comedy. And, and it's got to be somebody. <laughs> Some unbearable somebody... witness who they want dead or something. And they're like... Well, and that's going to be the girl that she that the, the nerd was hooking up with, right? Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Because um, Barry was hooking up with Tina, and Tina was the one who was leaking They let out their emotion and everything. And they're like, yeah, we can do something else at this safe house if you want. Well, and like... <laughs> And, and like the person who's like in charge of the safe house has to be someone, even if it was John Benjamin doing his Archer voice, that would be something. Oh my God. Yes. I um, Tyler comes in there and says, hello. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they don't have the money for a Matt Damon. So yeah. like, it has to be an old action guy. They could get right? Kiefer. They could get, uh, well, they could get Kiefer. That's for get, sure. Hell, they could have Richard Dean Anderson just being an old man who wants to be left alone. Wow. What, do you think I'm a sleeper cell spy? Get off my lawn. That's right. No, that would be perfect, actually. Yeah, just um, anyone who's famous. If they got even, I don't know, the equalizer. No, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. It's David Duchovny as Fox Mulder. Yes. <laughs> there you go. He plays just an asshole who's just like, uh, can I help you? Do you have any credentials, any badges? And then get, get, get out of here. 
here. He's out in the middle of nowhere. He's got like that really Great terrible cell phone service. Immediately starts hitting on Fabiana. Uh, just oh, there you go, and it becomes Californication party final. I mean, I will say, if the second season they're fighting the supernatural while they're trying to clear their names, I oh, mean, that there show you is go. That's, that's the, nuts the show? fugitive. But there you go. <laughs> if they want to even be like the recent Indiana Jones down with Destiny, where he's on the run and then he wants to go back in time somehow and reset the clock, I'm down with it. But got, lean even more into the bizarreness where they're like, this shouldn't work. But here we are. Right. And we know that the person who is going to be hunting him is not going to be the, what matters. But, like, like you're right. They're just such a deep pool. Like, you could get a Linda Hamilton. You could get He's a Michelle Rodriguez. This recent season. So, yeah, that is certainly possible, especially because Arnold said, I will not be, you know, Conan or the Terminator anymore. Uh, ironically, around the same time, Sigourney Weaver said, I will no longer be Ripley and Aliens. So it's like, he give them something new. Have them parody themselves, but yeah, like you say, that it's gotta be, it's gotta be in the thick of it. It's gotta be, like, in everyone's face, and then lean back when you've said your punchline. <laughs> well, exactly, because like you could get a Scott Atkins, but he's not funny, right? Like Linda yeah. Hamilton can do a joke. Other than right? Accident like, Man, I haven't seen him be funny, so yeah, he would have to be like, much like the Van Winkle character, he would have to be the new guy in town who's a hot shot, who, maybe the red shirt of the team who dies instantly. Right. And everyone's like, no, he was fucking awesome. No. That's right. And then and I, I'm surprised there wasn't any of that or the, you know, yell in slow motion bullshit. I guess they figured that would just be just too much. It's been done to death on an SNL parodies. You know? <laughs> yeah, it must be. I mean, and, and like, we're not going to get <laughs> We're not going to get a Hemsworth or a Pratt. Like, they're too expensive. Oh, you mentioned Bloodsport or, earlier. How about he be in an undercover like fight to the death tournament, and then they get a chance to make fun of all the Bloodsport best of the best uh, running man type tropes? Why oh. do you think this is going to be on national TV? Oh, it is. Oh fuck! <laughs> you, you do realize that what you're setting up is Hot Shots Part Two, where he <laughs> yes. he is out, and then he beats the crap out of someone, there and they go. find him because they need him to come back in, there and so go. they. They save Charlie Sheen, and much like Arnold, they make fun of, you used to be a cool guy. What the fuck <laughs> happened? Now it's all drugs and hookers and everything. <laughs> we got to bring in the expert, codenamed Tiger Blood. Okay. There you go. Season two, Tiger <laughs> Fubar, uh, Tiger Blood edition. Yeah. Oh, God, that's so funny. Someone that's... else has to take you in other than your famous dad, motherfucker. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. <laughs> I mean, but like, as just as a show, like they, I I don't know at what point they were renewed. I don't know at what point it landed. Netflix but, loves to play chicken with this. It's yeah, it's they do. I like. I just get the feeling that about halfway through, maybe two thirds of the way through, they knew they were being renewed because I don't want to say it got softer or it changed, but you can just tell the point where they're like, oh, we need to establish these characters because they're going to be coming back. You know, the, at this the, point, the, Netflix would be a fool. I mean, especially when Arnold had that three-part documentary series that was also trending. I mean, to just yeah. not take advantage of all those ratings would just show that they don't care. <clears throat> There's enough people upset with them right now. You know, 
right? They, Why add to keep, the pile? <laughs> right. And they keep adding these shows, like like Inside Job was a good, like was a comedy, yada, 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 that they renewed and then they took away the renewal and people were mad at. I'm just like, uh, why? How much could that animated show cost anyone? Right? Like It couldn't and, cost much. No. And, and FUBAR is probably even more expensive because you have an, a legit star so I, I just I don't I don't get what Netflix is doing. I think this whole streaming thing eventually is going to implode onto itself. Um, and I'm sure if one is going to survive, it's Netflix because they've already survived for more than two decades. Um, I can only hope. I, I hope you're right. I hope they don't just say, "Oh, the writer strike killed everything." Well, no, you did this with COVID, and the same thing happened where they set it up for more seasons but the renewal order was out of date and you know you can't they got to honor contracts instead of just playing around with wall street money they do and you know unfortunately max is unwieldy uh, to say the least hbo max, is not keeping up with the numerous name changes they've changed their name more times than prince they have um <laughs> peacock is raising its prices as of next week or next month um it's just it's so much stuff that i i don't understand why it matters anymore i i i'm i'm overwhelmed by it and frankly for even for our show it's kind of hard to keep up um and so with a show like this which is not crazy expensive i assume um, I hope that. Yeah. <laughs> it, it just it makes it it feels like they did a, a lot of algebra with their money and said, okay, we can get Arnold and then we have to find people who can fill the role. And they filled it with some really good character actors, a few clever cameos. It was well executed and people are talking about it. I just hope that that's enough. Yeah. You know, like I, I just remember it wasn't a debacle, but um, I like that Amazon Lord of the Rings show, but I just remember it's, it, it, but it cost a billion bucks. Had it yeah, not yeah. been a hit, that's the end of everything, right? Totally. Um, go ahead. People, people got to think this shit through instead of just, like you say, just flinging numbers at stuff and not even doing the math. So, yeah, I mean, I was a fan of Rings of Power 2, and I tell, I'm telling you, dude, I had to school so many fuckers online. I was like, uh-uh. You, you are saying you know, just the same thing with the Star Trek shows, you know, like them or hate them. It's like you are saying they or even the Michael Keaton could never be a serious actor. You know, it's like... You were saying all the shit that's been said time and again, and you complained about this, and now you're making an exception to that. You complained about the cartoon movies. You complained about The Hobbit. Now Rings of Power is its own deal. And it's like people want to be contrarians for the sake of contrarians. They hate it when you're formulaic, and then they hate it when you do something new. And then they especially hate it when there's Black people who are hobbits and strong female leads. So I'm done with it. I'm done with all the incels online. I'm done with all the other guys just wanting to be pricks for the sake of it. Uh, we we just got to keep putting people in their place and just say, use your words. And I'll know within one sentence, whether you're a bigot or not. <laughs> well, and, and the other thing too, which we talked about earlier, it's very easy to miss these shows. <laughs> you don't yeah, have to watch much. anything. Uh, there's, I, it, I, when the expanse first started, I saw the first two episodes. My sister saw I was watching it and gave me an action figure. It still took me five years to actually sit down and watch the remainder of the show because I was like, if I start this now, I'm not going to graduate college on time. <laughs> right. It's That's not right. going to happen. And, and I mean, like, it's just that to say, 
I like a lot of the stuff that Netflix does. I like those um, high score and the toys that, lawyer. Us, that made us like they, they make interesting stuff, but how they advertise it sucks. And I just don't want a good show to slip away. And I felt like it's happened before. That's why I give uh, Prime more credit because they basically make it to where you have to watch free episodes of a show or you will forget exactly what happened. If you don't watch two to three episodes of Reacher, Bosch, Terminal List, or even, dare I say, uh, uh, Jack, Jack Ryan, Jack you're going to be lost because yeah. you'll be like, what did I miss? That's right. And they, they advertise it. I mean, like, and we, we I made fun of Disney for Encanto earlier. I don't know what this Elemental movie is. It looks terrible, but yeah, they I don't at know least, what it's about either. But at least they bothered to advertise that Mayhem show instead of it, treat it like Condor Man or even The Rocketeer, where you're like, good movie, but you guys don't get it. But no one, no, no one watched it. No one fucking but, saw it. <laughs> but I mean, like, at least they've been advertising their shows for the most part. Um, that that Obi Wan Kenobi show them. was good. It should have been a movie, but it was good. Oh, which one? Uh, Sorry. Oh, Obi Wan. I liked Obi Wan. Oh yeah, same. Yeah. I, I just promise. thought it would have been a better two hour movie. Um, yeah, but... I promise we'll do a Star Wars ranking soon. Sure. Um, you know, I liked <laughs> um, Andor. Uh, Secret War. I haven't watched yet because I other things better to do. Um, but I thought that Electric Mayhem show was actually really good. The Electric... Muppet Show. Oh, oh yeah, with the the Canadian uh, talk show gal. Yeah, I saw the first one and it was okay. Um, but yeah, Andor is basically. It's so funny how everyone was complaining. I'm like, what did you expect, guys? Look at all these guys attached to it. They're all they've all worked on the Bourne movies, West Wing, and the Americans. They're showing you politics done the right way in Star Wars versus be a light version of Babylon Five where you can't keep up with it and it's too much jargon for one movie. You know? Yeah, I mean it's just they're they're at least making an effort to. Advocate. I mean these new Star Trek shows, Strange New Worlds is actually correcting Spock's whole convoluted timeline with his brother from Part Five. I'm like, see, and of Destiny, Indiana Jones, didn't focus on crystal skull but they figured out what he'd been doing in between all that time so they didn't divide their fan base and they fixed the problems that the other people just were incompetent at telling that sounded right. good on paper so you might as well fix the problem instead of just pretend like it never existed you know just write write it out of history <laughs> no exactly and and like midichlorians was invented back in 1977 but george lucas didn't know how to explain that and get good performances out of his actors so it was bound to not work with everyone outside of all the jet sword fights, you know? So it's interesting how we're having the, I mean, half the Star Trek writers wanted to slit their throats because Ron Barry would rewrite their stuff, even though it's considered the best stuff in their career. People are too close to stuff they do. Uh, the X-Files guys were happy when they brought some characters from Millennium onto a crossover, but now they look back at it now and you're like, we didn't do the best we could with a crossover, but it's like, Hey, you're too close to it. You've lived and breathed it. You know damn well yeah. everyone's gonna like half your shit, hate half your shit. It it's hard to work in any kind of show business and be proud well, of it. But doing. at least the problem you're talking about is mostly artist driven. The thing I can't stand a lot, especially with Pixar now and Disney now, is it's so made by committee that like Disney yes. doesn't make a lot of garbage, but they also don't make a lot of things that are excellent. It's just a lot of mediocre in the middle stuff, which is fine. It's just I, I like Fubar's former self. Well, it is, but I like Fubar because they at least you could tell that Arnold was the center of it, and they let those people make choices. It couldn't have been a hit anywhere, and it would yeah. have worked because, yeah. like you say, they let it breathe. 
they again short episode order even when it stopped it was just a breathing outing versus this is boring i want to skip to the next you know dick joke <laughs> uh I, i'm hoping tv keeps improving you know it can't just be you know uh taylor sheridan or dick wolf dominating every station we gotta have Mm. or Bruckheimer coming up with a pretentious doctor or firefighter show we gotta have something that is uh, just something for everybody and then reminding them hey uh, people want to be here it's not just you know an expensive gig and like I say it can't be just we all voted on it so we made it even though we, none of us wanted to make it <laughs> I mean I, I get the feeling that that's part of the seg after battle right now where there's a there, there's God so bless friend Rusher. Yeah, I mean, it's just it just feels like there's so much crap now that comes out that since it's not supported by the networks with advertisement, it fades away. So these people don't get paid at all, and it's in a Roboros eating itself. Um, so eventually, we've got to figure out a way to make this stuff matter financially to these people. The idea that you'd make an entire Batgirl movie, write it off for and then tax throw purposes, it away, yeah, yeah and then it's act shocking. like the Flash is better, even though no one wanted to see it because the stars douchebag and the story made no sense so you're just like I, well and it feels like they're just chasing marvel who's had six alternate universe movies in a row yeah and people are getting sick of marvel now but marvel's not going to stop you know so it's just like and we we got committees and then we got like you say everyone trying to imitate the other i mean mission impossible is always going to be a hit even though it's taking from all the other blockbusters hey let's steal from craig hey Let's steal from Jackie Chan. Let's steal from Fast and Furious. <laughs> Maybe Scientology will eventually let Tom Cruise die, but we'll see. Uh, well, we got to actually kill all of Scientology first if we want that stuff. They're gonna, I mean, we have like nine more of the... Well, I mean, he says he's done after the one that they're making, uh, uh, but they're, they'll, they'll be a dead reckoning. Zeno says you will make more money for me. <laughs> That's true. Well, or we will extort your career if you don't tell SAG to shut down. Yeah, I'm just waiting for another Jurassic Park movie, which is just thinking oh. progressively worse. And it's funny because like Deep burning. Sorry. You suck the charisma out of everyone and just stick them in a movie. It's just it's bad. <laughs> yeah. Homage. Get it? Put one in your face. Get it. 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 You know, it's funny. I never thought I'd say this, but I'd I'd kill for a Grisham movie with like a decent cast that's just kind of a thriller. Right, like, and it's just acting. Only no special effects. It's just yeah. acting. You just, know, like, de the days of David Mamet and Aaron Sorkin again. But yeah, with a Grisham premise, and 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 just them all panicking and losing their marbles in a room. And a then Clancy it, movie where they're like, it's just Alec Baldwin yelling at someone, just like <laughs> twelve like, angry men, but no one even makes up their mind. They basically just one of them slaps the other and says, "I disagree," and they leave. That's the great. Ending. You know, we're in a submarine now, so I can't go far, but I'm going to slam this hatch. Like, it <laughs> Fuck just, you, Russia. <laughs> right. And like, and then like at least Indiana Jones, if they're going to globetrot, they're globetrotting, right? right? Like, it just, it, so much of this stuff, they put the money in the wrong place. Give me a good script and a good actor. I will forgive a lot and you don't need all these effects. It's something that Stallone learned the exact wrong message of. 
you know, like the expendables is the worst of this in some ways where like he can just keep running because they're just going to CGI in the blood later. And part four, it sounds like he's going to die in this one and hand it off. It was like, why wasn't that the plot of part two? That would have been way better instead of getting comfortable and seeing how many famous people you could add, you know? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And worried and that's about, why yes, like you say, the CGI blood and whether it would be R PG-13, and that whole argument was stupid to begin with. I'd see people complain about the blood and then get even more annoyed when they didn't see it. I'm like, so even people, again, don't know what they want, you know? Now we're finally getting better Transformers movies, but it took a while for Paramount and Guy Bonaventura, who worked at Warner Brothers back when it sucked uh, and in the 90s, and it's like, Everyone's having to learn how to reestablish themselves and stay relevant versus tough it out and get mixed takes. Well, I mean, and, and it just, it sucks because like, I will always go back to the 1995 Mortal Kombat over the, the more recent ones. And like the one that just came out is fine. And I know it's getting a sequel and it was relatively small budget. It fills those gaps. Hell, it made me get off my ass and rewatch the TV shows, Conquest and the Machinima ones. And those are fun too. I, I, I even mean, like, interviewed... I interviewed Quan Chi on here. Oh, no kidding. That's awesome. Rappas, and he, he's like, again, uh, and it's so funny. Everyone wanted to ask him video game questions. And I told him beforehand, I showed you the other interview. He doesn't play video games, but he he's happy it. to play this character. And that, I mean, there's a Gran Turismo movie coming out by yeah. the District 9 guys. I'll see it. It'll probably suck, but I'll see it. Because yeah. I'm just like, at least after the success of Sonic and this recent um CGI Mario Brothers Brothers movie yeah I think everyone is finally acknowledging that the Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat movies of the 90s made money but not everyone again was just comfortable going that avenue because they just again the infamous ones took over yeah I mean and those Mario Brothers movies are fine especially if the final one is Nintendo does Bloodsport and they're just fighting to the death like oh yeah that would be something um, and then bring in other ones like Kirby and company. Oh, baby. And, and yeah. Get the actual Super Mario Brothers melee. Just put it on screen. Have Solid Snake from Hell Gear get in there. It, it'll be a bloodbath of fun. Do the cannonball run as a Mario Kart movie? <laughs> or Death, Wish to, Death Race 2000? And then Chan voices one of the characters. Perfect. Yeah. One of the Ninja Gaiden guys? Yes. You are strong. Uh, and I am weak. It's just... I don't know, man. I I, I wish we could make more cheap movies with actual bankable actors anymore um yeah who is bankable because we're running out of people who we consider stars of this century because it seems like they'll have like two award-winning movies and then just shit 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 the rest of the year or the decade i mean and i i think part of the problem too is there are maybe one or two investors invade the market leo dicaprio would be one but like tom cruise is more of a brand than he is an act like a star anymore you know, so. he, he's known for leading a bunch of troops he and piggybacking on sequels he's doing everything that everyone else gets called a sellout for but yet it, it's just funny how this works it, and all the different elites and privileges and this is a whirlwind of bullshit that we're dealing with man it's well, I mean, it's it's why shows like mine and is popular because people do like those. The movies we're talking about still get people talking, right? Like, you know, uh, it reminds Mission me Impossible, why you like them. right? Like Mission Impossible, as we're talking, made about two hundred million dollars internationally in this last weekend, which was less than they expected. Which is Cobra insane. Kai broke the internet. Yeah, you know, just every people are now paying attention to what they're 
parents grew up because Stranger Things has all this 80s music. So yeah, I mean, it goes in shades. Well, and even in Mission Impossible, the first one was 96, based on a show from the 80s, which was based on a show from the 60s. Yeah. And, yeah. Or 70s. Um, but like, even that is a flash in the pan. Like, Mario Brother movie made a, so, is the story because it lasted for so many weeks. Marvel movies might make half a billion dollars, but they're still gone in a month and streaming three months later. You know, that's insane. It's not a workable market and they're going to have to try other stuff instead of just say, well, we'll write it off uh, for as a COVID relief or as a low turnout, or we always intended it to go direct to video, but blah, blah, blah. Uh, All our other favorite guys are also just doing as many big budget movies as they are independent ones that film in Louisiana and Connecticut. I see, I lose track of how many I've seen John Malkovich, Antonio Banderas, and uh, every other actor who's got a hit show on AMC, whether it's The Walking Dead or Breaking Bad, is just appearing in something. <laughs> yeah, Nick Cage is co-starring in all of them. Something. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, you know, and again, like I, I give it to some of these character actors just because it, it, it's nice to see a familiar face. I just... I can't be bothered by a script that shouldn't be make like that shouldn't cost two hundred million dollars to make. Didn't feel like anything more than a first draft, you know. And we're not even talking dialogue per se. We're talking just where we're like, okay, I know instantly who the villain is, and this is boring. Yeah, and they're focusing too much on the actor's performance, and for what little is just not there. <laughs> no, exactly right. I've I've seen them do that with Madge Mickelson at times. I'm like, I get that he's a troubled anti-hero. I get that he's crying. I get that he's a cowboy taking back his town from outlaws. That's not enough for me. I need I need to want to get some themes and philosophy before we get to all the bloodshed. <laughs> exactly. I need a Cohen brother. I need someone to, to add some <laughs> I, I need someone to add complexity to a plot. Oh, that's why I or... like the Doctor Strange movies the most. Scott Derrickson and Sam Raimi pretty much were just like we're going to experiment and kind of do what we want to do versus what the Disney and Marvel committee says we should do. (laughs) I mean, you either need to make it complex and interesting or 20% stupider. And I know that's, (laughs) I love it. I love it. But but, I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, I'm going to watch something that's dumb and fun. Make the bullshit stick, but don't, I mean, and and Fubar is the best version of that because it's well-written, but at the end of the day, they're shooting the bad guys He's making quips and he's complaining about being a single dude selling gym equipment. Like it's still got that dumbness to it, which I enjoy like, (laughs) like truly. And there's something to be said about a show being fun. And we're at least getting out of the, the grim dark era of, of of these time stills. I mean, and, and, and thank God, because I do love my eighties movies. I do love my nineties action movies. Um, and maybe the Matrix ruined it with its heavy philosophy, but oh, I'm telling you, it, part of it is 9-11, and we have to save the world, and there's dark corners, guys, and as we're speaking, a QAnon movie is number three at the, the theaters. Oh, uh, yeah, with Caviezel, yeah. With, yeah. with, 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 with Jesus himself. Um, but like, It's so funny how it's anti-trafficking when he, they've all sponsored organizations that are traffickers, practically, so it's like, ugh, these fuckers hide behind hypocrisy. But but like even that one is just so grim dark and how how could it be so real? No man, give me give me a Clancy movie from the eighties where it's kind of real, but also somehow Sean Connery is a Russian. Yeah, and like and it's silliness. Like I I like the Fugitive is dramatic, 
but it's got this absurdity to it that makes me want to watch it again. Mm -hmm. I'm tired after a Bourne movie. Yeah, I no, that's exhausted. true. There's so many movies that we can't even binge anymore because I've seen them to death and I only have so much time. I don't have two and a half hours anymore. Yeah, God help me. And and like even the X-Files, which again, there's nothing more dramatic. His his sister was kidnapped by aliens when he's sitting down with a pr professor and they're like, but what if the Jersey Devil was real? And he's like, hmm. And Scully's like, right. are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm I'm, re I'm going back through that show. I love it. I it love is. It. It's still very well remastered on Hulu. And uh, there's some shows that have stood the test of time, while there's other ones where it's like, oh, everyone on the show's a bastard. I can't watch it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. uh. Don't watch Hill Street Blues in today's society. You'll be like, oh, fuck these guys. <laughs> uh, St. Elsewhere, though, you could still watch. And oh, there you go. I, I, I'll, I'll I always do, quiz people. I'm like, you're a fan of Denzel Washington. How many have actually seen the show that made him a star? That's you right. Know? Anyone? Um, yeah. I, I have, I've not completed it. I have watched a good amount of it. No, it's fine. And I, I love it even more because it's connected with all those other Tom Fontana, Dick Wolf shows, sure. Homicide, City on a Hill, Oz, and everything <laughs> And that's why you do a, a culture podcast. Bingo. This guy gets that's right. it. That's right. Uh, any more announcements for Myopia before I let you take off, my dude? This was oh, a dynamite right. takedown of everything right and wrong with streaming. <laughs> I don't know. It's fine. It was a good discussion. Uh, when does this come out, do you think? September. We're Arnold week. <laughs> Ooh, awesome. So uh, if you're listening, uh, my co-host, Dan uh, Suttis, uh, we're in our 10th season. Uh, so each of us is going to get our own month. Uh, yeah. So for the you're month kicking of... ass, man, you're taking on all kinds of movies that are people even forget we're even on DVD. <laughs> oh yeah, well it's fun, and sometimes we do a big like a heavy hitter. Sometimes we do forgettable movies uh, just because it'll be a good discussion. And it's hysterical because you have to watch it twice every season because we want to make sure that we do some things that are getting new audience but sometimes we do things just for us i lose track of your last oh no 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 you did not give too much credit to this hack director no you did not stop it <laughs> um so for uh daniel Suttis, a uh, good friend of mine uh he's gonna do uh reanimator the league of extraordinary gentlemen and armed and dangerous and mentioning it here the stupid so we're going to do tom those arnold at some point this month, depending on this those are 2 a.m cable tv hits oh my god uh oh, especially look forward to lxg and reanimator but stupid oh, is fun because there's a movie that's either dead on arrival from its title or has an audience but for a different reason <laughs> are we laughing oh. with or at you that's awesome <laughs> no exactly and like uh, and then October's all Stephen King movies. So uh, Ooh, we, we will yeah. have some fun. We will have some fun. Which ones are like the book versus which ones are good movies but have nothing to do with the book. <laughs> right. Uh, so running man. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we're doing uh, Christine, The Fog, uh, Carrie, and we're doing Creepshow, which is actually based yes. on the comics, but he helped co-write it and he stars in one of the segments. Yes, he so. does. After the Ted Denson segment, I think. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so that's where we're, we are. Uh, if you want to hear me talk books, you can listen to the Required Reading podcast. All well. right, Required Reading. Um, and then, of course, if you're in the Atlanta area, I'm on the Comedy Troupe Cineprov, where we riff movies every month at the Plaza Theater mm -hmm. Haunts. Um, and as we are recording, we have not picked our September movie yet, um, though uh, we have some things on the table. I just can't announce what it is. Ooh. So check out uh, Cineprov.com or our Facebook group. Uh, where we are Cineprov. 
Yeah. Sweet. Nice. sweet, sweet, sweet. All right. That that's a hell of a fun time. <laughs> Follow us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a jacked up.